Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to What a Load of Cobblers, a debrief, a conversation on Northampton Town nil, Blackpool free, and Town subsequent relegation from League One. I'm Tom Reid and joining me today are Wallet regulars James Avro and Martin Maloney, and also Max Miller, multimedia journalism. Student, seem to be graduate at the University of Northampton. How are you doing, guys? You okay? Yeah, doing uh, okay. Thanks, mate. It's all, <laughs> all good. I guess dependent on, you know, we've all been slightly dragged down by the the result yesterday in the relegation. I'll go to you, James, on it first. I know you watched the game. Just seems to be, uh, despite the club rousing itself a little bit under John Brady, sad to go out on a bit of a whimper. Yeah, it, it is. Um, I mean, you asked the question a few weeks back. Did I think we were going to stay up? And I said, hand on heart I couldn't see it and unfortunately that's it's, it's proven the case we did rally a bit under John but it yeah. wasn't quite enough and we saw you know with with the results that Wigan and um, Wimbledon were getting four wins in a row each that's the kind of form that was needed to get us out of it and we couldn't quite do it we improved the home form massively but just still couldn't really get any away wins which was what we needed in the end uh, and yeah, the, the actual performance and the result to send us down was was disappointing. Um, so, yeah, what can you say? We've been here before. Uh, we'll probably be here again. Uh, this is a feeling we're well used to as, as Cobblers fans getting promoted from League Two and then the stay in the division above being all too brief. Yeah, it's for any long-standing fans or even fans maybe of, of any of few years, it seems to be Groundhog Day again and... The yo-yo club extraordinaire. Um, this seems history to, seems to repeat itself so often, and we don't seem to learn many lessons along the way of how to maybe try and stay in League One for at least a two or three seasons. Um, we'll go on to those sort of features later on. But Martin, you know, you were fairly optimistic. Didn't work out. That's football sometimes. Let's talk about the game yesterday. Have you had a chance to look at the goals, Martin? Because I've watched them back today and. I would suggest that the goalie Mitchell, who hasn't really covered himself any glory, perhaps not culpable for all three, but maybe suspect for at least a couple of goals yesterday, Martin. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, the first goal, you, you know, you should never get beaten from that position. I mean, it's, it's a hell of a finish. Yeah. But the best you should be open for having a shot like like Garbutt did is that the keeper parries it um, and then it, it falls to somebody. But to, to get it in the bottom corner from there. Um, you've got to do better than that as a, as a football league keeper. Um, and then the, sec- the second one, um, the ball take deflection and a bobble. It's a horrible, horrible one to take as a keeper, but you'd expect a keeper to do it. 
And, you know, at other times you'd say, well, that's, um, you know, you're going to get a couple of them in a season. You know, even the best keepers in the world will, will, you know, will get things that are horrible to handle. But we have the same conversation so often. Um, Brady, I think, um, I watched his post-match interview a little after you guys did. I always like to be sat in front rather than listen to it. I like to sit and watch it. Um, on YouTube, usually with a, a beer or glass of wine, because I think they're 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 very very good, and I think he almost said it there. I've got strikers that can't score, I've got a keeper that can't keep goals out. We've you know we've talked a lot on the on our pod about about the recruitment being a mess. Yeah. Um, in the summer, um, alleviated. I think a couple of players came in in January. You know, to Curl's credit, he he brought some really good ones in, but. The summer recruitment has really, really cost us. And, you know, two keepers who were the best will in the world are probably number two keepers. And going a division higher, it's almost like even if you're going to take a sort of let's try and scratch out as many draws as we can, which was kind of, you know, how it felt under under KC. Yeah. You probably want that to be a position of strength rather than a position of weakness. Sure. And unfortunately, centre defence and goalkeeper have been horrendous um, and that has really hurt us. Yeah, fast summary. We'll go on to some of the themes behind the relegation and I, I, I th- we're going to have to talk about recruitment. Over-reliance on low knees probably comes into it as well, but lack of a spine really throughout the squad maybe. But um, Max, I'm not sure how long you've supported the Cobblers or maybe you've... Are you, are you local to Northampton, Max? or are you? Yeah, sort- I've... Yeah, I'm uh, born and bred in Northampton, so I've been supporting them for the last 15 years or so. So, okay. um, oh mate, you're you're as buggered as the rest of us. <laughs> <That's no escape. laughs> so you've got some good context, Max, for you know, is history repeating itself? But I guess um, just going on to the minutiae of the game, are you more forgiving to Mitchell for the goals, or are you sort of with us to an extent that in our situation we can't be giving those goals away? Absolutely, I'm with you guys all the way. You know, I just watched the third goal, and he was in absolutely like no man's land. And you know, you don't really concede goals like those at this level. You know, that's almost like something that you would see, uh, not even in non-league, maybe even Sunday league. But I feel like that's too much of an insult to the Sunday league itself. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think those goals really sum up our season, really. You know, and that's kind of why we deserve to go down. If you're not even going to keep goals like that out or chances like that, you know, all credit to Blackpool. Um, you know, they're a quality side. There's no denying that. You know, they, they're now great, well, happily taking a step in the right direction, given the fact that they had some awful owners. And, you know, fair play to them. And if they get the playoffs or, them, you know, absolutely, you know, they'll, they'll have an extra fan watching on. Yeah, that, that's true. The, the Oyston period, they, they've come out of that. Hopefully for them, well, they did look to have that extra bit of quality. Just the, the, the Martin was was right. There was a, there was mistakes from Mitchell, and especially ones which Max has alluded to, not of a League One level for me. But um, there were some quality finishes, and they have got some good players that we. I think John alluded to it in the press press conference as well, that or the uh, interview that they had the quality that we didn't. But yeah, it was just one of those things, I guess. Um, we can't just focus on Mitchell because we always like a scapegoat cobblers. That's how we work. There were there were some bad mistakes, but you've got to defend from as a team and we just haven't been good a lot the whole season. No one really comes out of this season with much credit. Maybe Watson does. He saved us a little bit for a little period. Sean McWilliams has always put a shift in. Players like that, maybe Hoskins who 
always a solid seven out of ten, but it's not really any true stars of this season, nor will there be when you get relegated. Um, probably worth noting that unfortunately, not just a bad season, and Martin often talks about the not very good players that have played for Cobblers. <laughs> when you listen to our other show, Friday Night Lights, but uh, Marvo on Twitter is a Cobblers fan. Uh, he's pretty good with stats, and he said basically that Cobblers set a record uh, yesterday. Um, he just tweeted, after yet another game in which we failed to score, the class of 2021 have become club record breakers, going 23 games, half the season, without scoring a goal, or with games, uh, goalless games, more than any other season in our history. So I was sort of thinking that this team is fairly mediocre, with some pretty good players here and there, but just not chilling as a team. People like Kyoso are good and Watson a couple of others but just literally by the letter of the you know the goal scoring records it's been a record number of goalless games and goals win games so there's no escaping that no matter how we try and dress it up um let's talk a little bit about what you put the relegation down to and we've got to put it in context of it just being groundhog day and that's happening quite a lot in terms of going up to league one last in the season or something and then dropping back down maybe the squad gets weaker the investment isn't there um james people have talked a little bit about keith cole clearly went from hero to villain to an extent with the way the team was set up after the promotion um covid19 has obviously played a, a role undoubtedly in terms of setting budgets the recruitment questionable just wider infrastructures and the way the club is set up do you pick out one of those features I've mentioned or do you think it might be a combination or what James how would you I think it's a combination so fundamentally the reason we're down is because the players weren't good enough Uh, you can put the relegation down to that you then have to question why weren't the players good enough so either um, we've tried to do a season on the cheap in league one knowing that there's a pandemic Um, we potentially you know I'm I'm not going to have a go uh, at chairman for being frugal, but were we too frugal, perhaps, compared to other clubs in the division? Were we banking on other teams potentially going out of business? Um, and, yeah, was was there a sufficient budget there for the manager to do uh, a job that was required in League One? Only the owners will know that. So it's either that or we had a sufficient budget and the recruitment wasn't good enough and we didn't get in good enough players. I think the recruitment in the summer was muddled as well. Uh, Keith, you know, we, we can talk about recruitment, uh, but the fact is that last year the recruitment was very good. So I don't think it's necessarily fair to say that the recruitment has always been poor under Simon Tracy because the season before we identified the kind of players like Nicky Adams, Alan McCormack, etc., who are going to get you promoted out of League Two. And that was executed very well. For whatever reason, this year, the recruitment wasn't right. I'm of the view that I think it was a bit muddled. I think Keith potentially wanted to try and change the style up, but didn't quite commit to it. And we ended up signing players that I didn't feel complemented each other. You you look at the strikers, for example. Um, Benny Ashley Seal, that kind of signing isn't conducive to a team that's going to be playing Route 1 football, I don't think. Danny Rose wins his fair share in the air, but again, I don't think he's necessarily tailored to a, a team that plays it direct. I think 
the idea of getting these players in was to try and become a bit more of a footballing team. But then we realised we probably didn't have a squad, an overall squad, that was good enough to do it. Um, so I think they're the two main issues, really. Um, was there enough money there for us to compete in this division? And if there was, uh, we clearly didn't spend it correctly. Uh, so we're not really going to know, and only the only the owners are going to know if we if we have the sufficient funds to compete in this division. We can only speculate. Mm. Yeah, I, I, agree think, I think it's almost hard to describe something as both brutal and eloquent. But honestly, James, you, you really nailed that there. That's horrible to listen to, but beautifully put. Mm. It's it's a difficult one, though, because we've we've been there before when there has been a little bit more investment and we played a little bit better football, but it hasn't really ever glued together and enabled us to stay in League One for any length of time. I, I don't think there's... Um, maybe a panacea that's going to make us achieve that but you do have to be looking at you know different different issues within the club and I'll, I'll have my little say on it a little bit later but I'll go to you on it Martin you can't you can't uh what's the word forget Keith Cole's you know second season in terms of the promotion sort of uh, syndrome in terms of yeah the, the the football just went from effective to downright ugly and uh impotent to an extent we weren't particularly scoring many goals the fans were getting turned off by it and obviously John Brady had a very difficult job of it and he, I think he's done his utmost with it but Martin do you look at Keith Cole or do you look at the recruitment what do you what do you try and pinpoint it to um, well, I think, and you're absolutely right to say, you know, it, all the negativity about Curl, we have to put it in context of, you know, look at last season, how well and how effective that that was. Um, but, you know, the recruitment in the summer, I, I you know, specifically, and we've, we've had conversations about, yeah, off air. Yeah. We let, you know, we let Lloyd-Jones walk, it would appear, because Curl got the ump with him because he was talking to other clubs. And he ends up coming back in halfway through the season when he's not got himself a club and he's our best centre half. Um, we signed Kim Volga, who just for whatever reason, who was perfectly competent League One centre half, has just not worked out at all. To the point he didn't get on, they would rather play yesterday an injured Lloyd Jones ahead of a fit Kim Volga. So, you know, that that's not worked out. But Dane Oliver was allowed to walk to go to Gillingham for what I'm told. Um, was a matter of a couple of hundred quid a week. And Oliver was so so integral to to how we to how we played. And I think those two signings, you know, I think the the players in midfield broadly not not too bad not too bad, you know, um our 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 issues were down the middle at either end of the park. And probably some things where we were too penny pinching or too headstrong robbed us of half a season of a very good centre-half and a whole season of somebody who's added a lot of goals to being an absolute... Um, the archetype of a good target man and a great character at the club. You know, we didn't... We talked about McCormack. You know, wasn't going to play many games, but he was a voice. He was a character. And I've said on so many times after we've we've limped to you know poor home defeats especially there's a lack of leaders out there I think I think I saw Lloyd Jones with the armband on yesterday but it's you could pass it to anyone because 
I'm sure they're all nice lads, but there's no there's no voices out there. There's no leaders. Um, Brady, I thought, did a very good job with what he had, but the card the the, the hand he was dealt was was pretty poor. Heaven knows, had it not been for some decent um, recruitment of the likes of of Miller, I think Edmondson at least to kind of you know give you a bit of work rate up top. Kioso, who has been brilliant. I was talking to a Luton Town fan last night, and I said, I could tell you he was rubbish, Tom. You just might let him go, but your <laughs> club's too sharp for that. It's, um, you know, we, we, we were stuck. You know, the, the, the overall thing was just not good enough. We've, we won't labour the point on keepers, but in key areas, we, we, we just didn't have anywhere near enough to be competitive in this league. No. no. There, was, there was a lonely spine throughout the side. So you had a lonely goalie, Lonely centre mid in Morris and a lonely striker in Edmondson. So that just that, that feeling of the temporary abounded. And I've said it from the start of the season, especially during Keith Cole's tenure, that I, I don't know who is comfortable on the ball in that side. I can probably tell you a couple of players just off the top of my head. Someone like Ryan Watson's pretty comfortable on the ball. That whole team was set up to a very specific style of play. First season under Cole, I'm not sure that players if I was playing would I want to be playing to that sort of rigid style probably not did Oliver want to play that style he's made a couple of comments that suggest he's getting a bit more freedom of play at um Gillingham it's it was it was a difficult one and I just think that Keith Cole's style of play was unsustainable going forward he needed every man on on its on their game every every game and just football players aren't like that it goes through peaks and troughs and when it came to play a team's just uh, controlling the ball a little bit better and playing around us. That was when we were found out. And I just think that his style of play, Keith Carr's style of play, just beyond League One is is, is dubious. It's effective at League Two and he might get some success, success with Oldham, but that's that's where we found ourselves. And um, there's various issues. Let's go to you, you Max. Are you, are you looking at sort of a, a wider... I know you've been on Twitter talking about wider things, scouting... Um, infrastructure and that sort of element. So, are you looking at a wider uh, field to the issues at the club in terms of relegation, or are you looking at more specific sort of micro level things to do with Keith Carl's management? You know, I, mean, it, I mean, it's pretty much everything. Like everyone has, you know, Martin's made some good points, James has made yeah. some really good points, which, you know, I'm not going to go back on. But, you know, we've, we're so far behind compared to the rest of the, you know, clubs in League One and, you know, perhaps even League Two. Um, it, it, we're just we haven't improved off the pitch you know when obviously it, it's the same things happening again where we build a decent squad we'll get promoted and then the key people will leave and we don't replace them you know good was was always going to get big offers from championship clubs and you know fair play to him and it's good to see him doing so well for Brentford but yeah I still think that you know like Martin said I still think there was a season left for league one for McCormack um, but it's just we need a new we, we, we're a team without an identity um, and I think yeah. that showed this season I mean I was just looking back on the stats for when we played in the League 1 playoff final against Exeter uh, we had 21 shots and 10 on target and then you compare that to the 4-0 um, Oxford defeat and where we had 5 shots and none on target you know how have we gone from being a team that would run absolutely rampant against teams you know completely boss them off the ball to you know, not even you know being able to string two passes together, or not even be able to have a shot on target at least. Um, 
you know, I just think everything that's gone wrong this season has gone wrong. I'm fairly. Did we have? Um, uh, were we limited as well in recruitment in the fact that we were going to have 25 man squads? Am, am I right in that as well, or is that that just something that I've completely made up? I think that that makes sense. I think that's right. Um, you know, I think that that didn't help. You know, that all the clubs are on about you know, having financial fair play, you know, and all being limited to one budget. I didn't think that helped us. And some of the youth players that we have played, you know, Max Dyche was given a couple of games and then, you know, was pretty much shelled. And, you know, we haven't seen him too much. I'd love to see him perhaps, you know, break through really. But, you know, it just didn't happen. Yeah. And there was obviously Chuck Wamika yesterday as well. We've talked about him a lot. And I think we do need to... Keep banging that Chuck Mika drum. Um, James has talked about it a little bit. Didn't he? Didn't he really even make? Wasn't even brought on until maybe seventy something minute, and by that point, you're it's pretty much game over. Really, no chance for him to impose himself on a really important game. That sort of match-winning youthful vitality that he has, and if he leaves at the end of the season without signing a pro deal, it's highly likely that in a very important season we haven't seen the best of him at all. And I know John's talked a little bit about the acceleration of the homegrown players through the squad and maybe that's something he'll be looking at if he gets the job or he st- stays on in whatever capacity but it just feels like to use Keith Carl's phrase about a jigsaw that the cobbler's jigsaw is just not fitted together or he's not fitting together and sort of impacting on a season where maybe we might have just scraped up we might have done a Wimbledon or Wigan just a few more points here and there we could have been looking at being a league one club instead of a league two club next season um I was looking at the Hotel N forum on, online. I don't look at it very often, but I just saw one person tweet that, or sorry, message, whatever you call it, that it's quite simply, he, I don't know who it is, but he tweeted a uh, message that uh, Northampton simply don't have the infrastructure to sustain a League One club. Now, James, do you think that cobblers are at that crossroads in terms of, like I do, working out what club we want to be? Are we just going to be a, a League Two club that, Poos around in League Two. Nothing particularly wrong with that at all. But we're a big town with a huge catchment area. Should we be looking at more than that? And are we just sort of a League Two club? And until something changes in terms of you know investment infrastructure and stuff, that's where we're going to be stuck. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you look at Wickham, and they've managed to get into the Championship. Yeah. I know Six Fields is no, you know. It's not a world beater of a stadium, is it? But is Adams Park much better? Um, I think there's a combination of things. And I don't think it's down to one thing. uh, As in, I think infrastructure will get you so far. I think the infrastructure we have, I don't see any reason why we couldn't sustain at League One level. But we couldn't go beyond that, I think. Mm. But the the problem is we, we can't even sustain ourselves at League One level doesn't really tally you know Accrington don't have as good a stadium as we do I know they're in the process of redeveloping it aren't they a bit I think yeah. um, but Accrington Stadium is worse than us but they're consistently in League One at the moment so I think it's too simplified an argument to go the stadium isn't as good as it could be that's why we're not doing well in League One it plays a part and we obviously have a ceiling with what six fields could be but I don't think it's the it's the root cause. I think it's just a lot of different things all at play here. And I think at the end of the day, it comes down to, I, I think the club's a bit directionless at the moment. Yeah. 
the the owners are quite remote uh, obviously you know in the pandemic that's to be expected uh, a bit but there's there's no kind of real like rallying call i i think from from higher up to go right this is the plan i know we talked about and it was yep. welcome to see that they're on about restructuring the club so i'm looking forward in the coming weeks because that was mentioned what two months or so ago yep. looking forward to seeing what those details entail and what kind of route we're going to go down so it it sounds like they've kind of identified that yeah we need a bit of a you know revamp here we don't quite know what it's going to be um and that's going to be you know the the important thing in in the next few weeks establishing what kind of kind of structure the football club is going to have um and yeah obviously the stadium does does tie into that i mean we could we could have an entire podcast just dedicated to discussion on the East stand couldn't we it's not yeah. good enough from all parties you know yeah. i'm sick of hearing you know i covered the council for years i've covered the cobblers for, for years as a journalist and you know nothing's changed <laughs> since the time that i i reported on the cobblers from 2015 uh yeah. you know to when i was reporting on the council three years ago nothing has changed other than we now have a new council uh but it's pretty much the same old problems all we hear is oh we're in positive discussions what's positive about the discussions because yeah nothing's happening so you know we're at the stage now where I think the chairman need, and, and the owners need to l- declare what the cards, what cards they're playing. Yeah. What are, what is their intention yeah. for that East stand? And what is the roadmap to them either making the club a more sustainable asset for them or a more sustainable asset for somebody else? They need yeah. to come out and declare that now. I think, I think we've reached the, I think we're past the point of, of waiting on, on that I think I think you're right and especially things have changed a lot in, in, in the past few weeks in terms of how fans see owners of football clubs and the relationship between supporters and the community and football clubs and I think you're right that um, that it does feel like there needs to be a, a roadmap set out and something for fans to get behind and something for the, the public to get behind at the football club it just feels at the moment we do feel slightly more like customers and fans so you go to a game pay your money, watch a game and then go. That, that sort of connect and something to get behind isn't there for me. I think the East Stand, we talked about this before, is a bit of a red herring in that even if it's completed, I don't think it's going to make much of a difference really, especially in terms of... Let's, let's not, let's not kill ourselves here. Whatever happens, we're not getting a new all singing, all dancing East Standing. It's going to be yeah. cladding over it. Yeah, let's yeah, not pretend yeah. that it's going to be yeah. a mass... We're not getting the stand that we originally built. So the yeah. actual finishing of the stand, I don't think, is actually that time-consuming... Or yeah. difficult to do yeah. it's obviously the land attached to it that's behind that is causing the problem the actual mm. physical stand is not going to be much better than what's there already mm. but at least you know i don't see any reason why we can't press ahead with that you know the, mm. the council have said you know and this is where it all, all stems down we've got the council saying we're not doing anything until you build the stand and then you've got the other side going saying something different yeah something has to something has to you know m- move has to give and soon, yeah. At the moment, both sides are just keeping their cards very close to their chest, and in the meantime, the club isn't getting the TLC I think that it needs. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. It has that sort of feel. I remember during Cardozo's tenure, where you've got a land deal and you've got the football club, 
and then the football club should always be number one. But sometimes it feels like the football club is a bit superfluous to the land deal. The land deal is taking more precedent. It's sucking the life out of everything. I'm going to go to you, Max, because I know you talk a little bit about the wider things. When we talk about infrastructure, it's, there's, a, there's a tendency to focus on bricks and mortar. So there's the stand. But when I'm talking about it, I'm talking, I'm talk, talking about maybe the processes of the football club. And we yeah. talked a little bit on Twitter that when you look at relegations and you look at the way the clubs go in, you can talk about Keith Cole, whoever's a manager, John Brady, Max, but you know, it, it, there's processes that go into a football club. So there's a youth system, there's a player pathway, there's scouting, there's recruitment, there's the, the general management of the club for the, the, the club staff and the, the board and everything. It just seems to me that, that there just needs to be a, a rethink uh, around the football club too. I'm not saying necessarily to bring it up to the 21st century because I know they they try and do that every day, but just to try and maybe just Max keep in line with other clubs that are just forging ahead with us now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think um, just going back to your point of saying, oh, you know, we are a, a, a league team. I, I completely agree with that. But I think we're a struggle. We sometimes we can't even manage a single season in League Two without struggling. Um, you know, and, and that's what I worry about. Uh, ahead of next season in League Two, you know, because I remember, uh, I think I read an, either an interview with KC or an interview with Kelvin Thomas, um, and that he said that one of them said that the budget is a low League One budget. So where does that see us for League Two? Is that a top three, you know, League Two budget, or is it a mid-table budget, or is it a, again a lower League Two budget? You know, yeah. th- there's been cases where we've nearly been relegated and, you know, they're getting relegated to the conference is hard work. I mean, just ask any of the fans, that are, you know, fans of York or Hereford, Hartlepool, Barnet, you know, to name a few. But yeah. I, the club needs a massive restructure. I think this is this has got to be the summer where the club thinks, right, where are we going to go? What do we how do we see ourselves in the great footballing community? You know, yeah. It's all well and good saying, yes, we've got a player pathway, but then not playing many youth players. They've, they've, I was looking at their stats so far this season. They've played 18 games and they finished fifth in their, um, I think it's like the Southeast Alliance division or something like that. Yeah. And they, they've clearly got a good squad in under 18s to you know, at least get some wins and stuff. But we just never see these players coming through. You know, they'll maybe perhaps say maybe somewhere between five and ten games you know, a season, but then we never see them. You know, it's not even like you see them going out on loan very much to like Brackley or Banbury. Mm. You know, you never really see anything. And that, I just think the player pathway needs to go and we need an identity of what style of football we're going to play. You know, because yeah. no, it's like you said earlier, Rob, no, no player wants to play a defensive type of football, which is absolutely true. You know, they want to be playing attacking football, getting up the pitch and scoring as many goals as possible. So I think KT needs to say, right, I need a vision of how to, how this club's going to go progress forward. Yeah. And I think if we can if we can start by saying, what type of football do you play? Do you play it on the on the ground or do you oof it? And if you know, and try and get managers in who can appeal to football team because um, I think the reason why we wouldn't sign West Brom wouldn't send us back Morton was because of our style of football. Yeah. And I think that's that's a key thing is establishing with the bigger clubs that we do have loan players from. This is our style of football. We play it on the ground. It's similar to other teams that play in the championship in the Premier League. Yeah, that's what we need to appeal to, really. I think that's it, the summer is going to be crucial. And it's all well and good saying, yeah, we'll have a restructure. But, you know, 
the proof is in the pudding. You know, we need to see a- action, not words, pretty much. Mm, yeah, I'd agree. I've listened to some of the words from Calvin Thomas about a restructure, and I've been talking about it for a long time. So it's actually really pleasing to hear. But you're right, the proof is in, in the pudding. Um, I was pleased when John Brady got involved. I was I was championing him because he's been in the system for a while, and he just seems to be a bit of a thinker, very rational, intelligent guy. That sometimes you need that to try and bring some changes. But I'm just not sure if he's going to have the power to bring through the changes that he needs. He's going to have the the sort of wiggle room to do that. Um, I've had his interviews about whether he wants the job full time, and he said basically that he needs some boxes ticked in terms of you know considering the job. What are those boxes? You know, he, he might have some concerns about the way the club's structured, and that, that would be perfectly reasonable. But yeah, it, it does boil down to the the devil is in the detail with that, and I think we've just done things the same for so long. And just hoping for something to come around the corner, really, really try and change your managers, giving a team a budget, let the manager do what he wants, essentially, give him freedom. And it, this yo-yo sort of status is, you know, getting to the stage where you, you have to try something new and, and just try and consolidate a bit of sustained success. And that will come through investment. I'm, I'm massive on, on investment. I'm, you know, well known for being an advocate of, support our ownership community community ownership because but that is because via community ownership you see real investment i go i've been down to exeter and i've seen the real investment they have in their youth system their training ground their stadium and a lot of people northampton fans are you know diehard free marketers and you know hopefully some magical owner will come in and do all this but it's just it's just literally the proof is in the pudding and it's not happening it's, it's not happened in terms of the stadium yet i know calvin has tried but um the training facilities i still think that cobblers need their own training ground and have done throughout their whole existence and when you start getting that investment in stuff like the stadium the training ground the youth system that is when you start to see a project come together and that is what i am sort of lacking at the moment that's something to buy into um martin what i know you're you're a very positive cobblers fan and i always laugh that i don't know how you say positive after watching it for so long but (laughs) Are you seeing wider issues at play here after watching the club for so long and seeing history repeat itself? Um, I think there's a lot of merit in, in, in what you've described. What you've described there, um, you know, and I'm a big advocate of, of fan ownership too. I just I don't know what the route is to to get there, almost other than a than a crisis. And we're, we're kind of bobbing along nicely between, in a sense, we take a longer view between league two and league one i guess if i'm played played devil's advocate because you know we've talked about i think max mentioned talk to fans of york city talk to fans of stockport county actually doing the same thing again and again and flitting between league two and league one i could probably run down a list of people who'd swap places with us Mm. you know it's it's one it's not a disaster where we're at the moment you know we're not we're not starting from a terrible starting place yeah. We're starting being okay, rather than a crisis. And it's like, well, what could make things better? I think, though, there's a really interesting dichotomy between what some of us think, because a lot of us are very fond of John Brady. You know, I, I really, really like the guy. John Brady wants assurances before he takes the job. Now, I would assume, having seen, he's watched what we've watched, and he's watched it at closer quarters, yeah. that means he gets the final sound recruitment. 
I think whenever we've talked about what's a great model for a club, we look up we look up the River Nen and we look at Posh and we say, well, tell you what, don't let that manager anywhere near recruitment. Recruit the manager last. Have a chairman with bottom, not quite bottomless pockets, but who's prepared to spend a million pound on a league on a League One striker, mm. um, and have someone like Barry Fry who will identify players, and you'll run the risk of some of those signings not working out. And then you you bring someone in and say, well, you run the training, coach them, and pick the team. Yeah. Now, if we're to go radically different, John Brady, unless he flips and is that director of football, technical director, whatever we call it, yeah. who's bringing the players in, then actually Brady would probably be saying, I want to do the same as what we've done before, except I think I'll do it better, which, you know, is, is no bad thing. It's, it's how football generally works. If we wanted the more radical sort of, you know, manager's the last person you recruit when you look at the players you get in and think, well, who's going to get the best out of these? Um Brady probably doesn't fit in that picture. So it, it's interesting, but I do think, you know, we, we shouldn't be too down. Yeah, yeah, we've got problems with the East Stand, but, you know, I think Jay didn't say, but the other bit is, you know, when did we ever, like, sell a game out and we were missing those extra few hundred seats? Yeah. Problems with that. The club seems, as best we can tell, solvent. You know, we've, we've got a budget that will keep us in the league next year. You know, you, you always have to be wary of, you look at, like, South End, who, you know, nearly dropped right down Colchester. Um, things can go horribly, horribly wrong. But yeah, you know, it's 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 grim that we've gone down and we we didn't make a good much of a good fist of it until Brady came in. Um but God, there's there's clubs I think in way worse positions than we are. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't look at ways that we could we could run it better or was better. And I think our own training ground, you know, you've made that point about Exeter it's about a club having an identity and, and, and things that are its own. And, and certainly I think with fan ownership, I think when you're making decisions about where to invest, yeah, you'd like to think there's enough mature heads and people been around long enough and seen enough ups and downs that say, we'll say actually, yeah, that training ground youth programme, you'd want to be putting a lot into that yeah, ahead of maybe short-term success. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point about the short-termism, really, because it's been you can't pinpoint it on certain um, chairmen because a lot of chairmen have been like it. Like even going back to Derek Banks, he got to the point where he looked at a new stadium at Bratmills, which we've, we've joked about with a ski jump. Oh, I used to have the car sticker in Rum's car. Let's move the cobblers to Bratmills. Yeah. But he, he eventually gave up on it and thought, right, let's just put the money into the team. That's where you make the dividends. You, you, you put the money into the team, you get promotion, you know, that's how you do it. But that is pretty short sighted. Cardoza obviously had his land deal, which I oh, won't get into too much, but he, threw a lot of money at the at the team you know had a bit of success for a while but it it, it, it fell away but I guess one critique I would have of your line on okay it could be worse we could do a stockport although stockport are actually likely you know potentially coming back up or they're they're, they're pushing promotion promotion um is right. that it's, it's those 10 or 12 years in between though that's some long yeah hard yards <laughs> that's true but I I, I do think and people, you know, probably think, you know, he's 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 looking too much into it. But I do think the landscape of football and the funding will change in the next 10 to 20 years. And I, I'm really, you know, significantly worried about clubs like Northampton. And you talked about solvency. When you look at the books of the clubs and the debts, it's not, it's not a particularly healthy picture. And that clubs like us are running at a loss with maybe four, five thousand, six thousand fans 
if the sands shift in terms of uh, you know solidarity money from the Premier League, which we're completely reliant on, or if if th- those seas change a little bit, or these those sands change, there is clubs like Northampton that are going to be low hanging fruit for for problems. And when I speak to people like Andy Holt action, he's he's like, we're going to try and get this club as high up the leagues as possible because if anything happens or if there's change, we want to be at the the highest table possible. And when you look at Lincoln who have gone from, I think it was maybe 4,000 fans to about 9,000, 10,000. They're putting into place real plans to drive the club forward. And that is really what I think Northampton have to do now. We've got a huge catchment area in a, in a big county with not many particularly huge rivals around us. We should be getting more in every week than four or 5,000. We should have a, a better stadium than we've got. I look at all around us, we've got, uh, Milton Keynes with a you know superb stadium, probably a bit too big, but a quality stadium. You've got um, Coventry City sorting their their, their shit out in um, Coventry. You've got Luton with a new stadium on the way. You've got Posh with a new stadium on the way, and it just feels like that feeling we can bumble around in League Two, and it's not too bad. You know, it's quite safe. We don't really get relegated out of League Two. I think we're we're getting to the end of that now, and we're we're getting slightly exposed to the way football's moving forward and. I think the recruitment is definitely a big part of that. And when you, when I look at, I speak to people from certain clubs and they're like, right, we're investing in the analytics and the stats. And I'm like, what are we doing at Northampton? Are we, we investing on that level? What, what, what sort of process have we got in place on that level? I just, I do think that we're at that stage now where we have to work out where we're going as a football club and use, as Max has said, this relegation as, as a bit of impetus, just to look at a few things and have just an open conversation about it. Um, I did, Martin, did you listen to? Um, I think you did the John Brady's interview, and he's he's always very candid. I would love John Brady to be out to come and say, "Look, we need to put some investment in the training ground, the youth system, whatever, in, in, in recruitment, um, you know, the management, whatever." I'd like to just have that open conversation where we can make some informed decisions as fans. Because that conversation is closed off, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, and it's just very hard for us. Do you know what I mean, Martin? It's, it, it's. I think we have to understand the dynamics at play here. You know, I, I work for a big multinational retailer. Don't ask, don't ask me to uh, come on and do a, an interview that's kind of critical of the people paying my wages. Yeah. If I'm on a year-to-year contract where I might want them to give me a job, well, give me a job either in one role or another, it's it's probably not going to be something he can say. I think where he's been very good, at least with the on the field stuff is he's, he's certainly given more away about where his frustrations are, albeit in a, a very well-spoken and nuanced way. Yeah. But I, I, I think it's very difficult for somebody to say that while they're in a job. And the problem is when they say it, when they're out of a job, it probably comes across like sour grapes. Mm. So I think that sometimes is just organizational dynamics. Um, it's easier for us not knowing all the information, but not being beholden to anyone paying our wages that we can be quite critical. But if you're in it, um, it's hard to do it without kind of throwing your boss or someone else under the bus. Mm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. There's ways, there's ways of going around it. You know, I, I just, I just think that the club would be a little bit healthier if we could have a, not an open discussion, but a, a discussion on where the investment needs to go in because investment doesn't have to always come through David Bauer, for instance. You know, there's there's other ways of investing, you know, that fans can get involved as they do at, at Hearts and they, they, they drive investment in infrastructure and various other things. So 
there's more modern ways around it. But I do I do think that um, the club is, is crying out for investment in various areas now and it's sort of being brought to the surface now. But at least we're having the conversations and at least John Brady, he's more open than Keith Curl ever was. He's more in, uh, He's more open than other company men that really just do their job when they get fired, don't ever say anything afterwards. So John Brady is at least open it up and he's probably the first to say, if I take this job, I want a few things in place. So fair play to him for that. I guess let's move on. Are you still there, James? Yes. Uh, okay, cool. Um, do you need to shoot off or are you around for a little I can bit? Do, I could do another 10 or 15 minutes, yeah. Okay, cool. So in terms of John Brady for the full-time job, James, it's, it's an interesting one because he isn't... What's the word? Doesn't seem to itch in for the job. He seems like he will consider it if it's offered to him. Do you think he's the man for the job next year, or would you be looking for, you know, a different character? Um. So I think he's probably done as well as he could uh, in the job. It's just been a, a, the last couple of weeks. I find I found not using Chuck Wamika as much a strange choice personally but I think um, I think in the main I can see why he's done the things that he's done um, so uh, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm not averse to him getting the job at all I, I think we should see what else is out there as well I think that's the proper thing to do uh, but I think he's in with a good chance of, of getting it and you know what you're getting in terms of passion and commitment from him that's obviously going to be questioned uh Tactically, we've not seen, I suppose, the full palette of what he can offer because he's been very restricted in terms of the players he's had. And we've had virtually no creative presences to create chances. And when yeah. on the rare occasions we do, we've got strikers who will fall over in front of goal and, and things like that. So um, we, we've not really seen, I think, him in... We've not really seen what he can offer to its kind of maximum. So I think you know that there's there's a large merit in in giving him the job. I do I do wonder whether Kelvin will be thinking in the back of his mind he doesn't want to make you know uh, the same mistake as he did with Dean Austin for example, where if it goes wrong again, you've, you've got that potential accusation of oh well you didn't learn your lesson from last time kind of thing. So I don't know whether that might be prohibiting him from going for him. You've also then got the option that we're in a pandemic and with all due respect to, to to them, that they're probably going to be a cheaper option than bringing in, say, a manager from higher up or a more experienced manager. So there's there's lots of different things to consider. And again, yeah. it's going to come down to what direction Kelvin thinks he wants to take the club in. Um, and all I really want is a quick conclusion to it, really, because when we've left, I think we've left managers too long. Uh, before I'd like to think that we've had a plan in place that okay should we go down here's the plan and we're already putting that in motion even though we've got a game left next week we need to kind of start preparing for next season for for, for my view um, so yeah I, I, I'd, I'd be kind of happy to, to see him given the job uh, I think you know what you're going to get out of him positively yeah um, and like you say, he's going to bring a lot of expertise to the table in terms of that restructuring process that they're on about doing. So it would make sense for him to be involved in that. Uh, but I also think I would also hope that we have also looked at what else is out there 
and you know if, if an incredible candidate you know come comes forward then would be silly not to look at them um mm. so uh, yeah I, I, i'd be happy for him to get it i also hope that we haven't just nailed our you know firmly to him uh as, as well mm. it's a difficult one i guess because if you look at sort of a longer term thing you might look at him a bit more like i've said in the past as a technical director or trying to bring together a project so you have that but if he was given the job as well i don't think many people would argue too much you could see the the reasoning behind it especially in terms of the budget and stuff with with money tight so it's a difficult one i'll throw it up to you max if it came down to for instance someone off the merry-go-round or just another manager that might follow in the footsteps of all the other managers we've had in terms of a little bit of success and then eventually you know getting fired and starting again would you rather john brady given the job max for you know as a as a long-term project or i suppose i guess guess it depends on who it is doesn't it yeah uh, it's a bit of a difficult one um i mean you know you've got to give uh, brady a lot of credit uh for the way he's handled it you know but then there's obviously he's made a few tactical blunders or some results just haven't gone our way um yeah. but i think it, it, it's it's a case of what does kelvin want to do with the club is he prepared to give mm. brady the backing or does he you know it, it, if like i said if a credible credible candidate comes forward again is he prepared to give them the backing i mean look at richie wellens the former swindon and salford boss he did quite well when he was given the backing um he you know obviously got swindon promoted before leaving for salford and then was sacked at um salford with outside with them outside the uh playoffs so again i think yeah. he does well if he's given investment but i wouldn't know really who to bring in but i think as long as brady is there like i said as part of the under 18s or you know whether he is a technical director i'd be very happy to see him still here but i think personally i would like the club to adopt a philosophy where you you bring in people who know the club so keep samson keep rico but I would like to see. I think we should take a chance on Kevin Wilkin. Uh, um, Brackley, I think, is mm. my, my my option. Um, he knows the club and has a good style of football with Brackley too. You know, and, and, and still has a lot of connections. Yep, big hotel and favourite Kevin Wilkin, and in merit has done very well at Brackley. So that's a good one. Um, Martin, let's use a Tesco analogy. If you let's just liken Calvin Thomas to like a regional manager of Tesco's that's you know looking to retire at some point from from the project you're if you're looking for a new manager for your tesco's you might you know if you're looking to retire you might just go for a safe pair of hands who's going to look after it you know well at the time you're there and just keep it ticking over or if you're looking at a longer project you might go for someone with some fresh ideas that are gonna you know increase revenue and you know freshen things up and that i guess that goes what to max was saying how how long are calvin thompson and david barrow in it for and that is obviously going to color their their decisions you know are they got a project in five or ten years time or are they looking literally looking two or three years down the line um martin are you yeah are you, yeah what do you reckon well it's it i guess i guess where the where the, the kind of analogy falls over of course is it working for a big company you're making these decisions um you know who manages shops or whatever yeah you're making probably one or two of them every week mm. so you can go in different directions see what works see what doesn't mm. and probably you don't put all your eggs in one basket whereas by nature we're not looking at football as a whole and thinking right what's the most efficient kind of way we can run 92 clubs or uh, 120 whatever clubs or however low we want to go down the pyramid 
it's each club is trying to outdo the other and you're almost thinking well how do we steal a march on them you know what is the best way that we can optimize the resources we've got to to get results on the field Mm. and there are different ways to go about it but you don't have the thing that you would have for, for argument's sake if you said there were two different ways to run a shop and two very similar shops came up you say well i'll put John Brady in at one, and I'll put a, I don't know, a director of retail <laughs> in yeah. at another, you know, to sort of run it in a different way. And I could say, oh, well, actually, I'll look at them over a few months. This one seems to be the better way to go, so I can go in that direction. Yeah. You know, we, we don't have that luxury. It is, I think, you know, Kelvin Thomas, it's about looking at, you know, and it's good, you know, the signal of being open-minded about the, the kind of structure but, you know, do you feel Brady at all are the, are the guys to get the best out of what we've got? Do you think we go more radical um, and don't bother with the manager as such? Just get the recruitment right and then work out who we get in as manager. Yeah. Um, and the problem is, and it, well, it's, I say it's a problem, it's, the, the, it's why football is brilliant. If you balls that up really badly, you go down. Mm. And it's one thing to go down from League One to League Two. You know, we've never gone down out of League Two. And, you know, you do something radical, you run the risk of it falling over very badly. Now, I'd probably rather that than just do the same thing again and again. I'd rather we took a chance and, you know, it, with our eyes being open, that it, it could go pear-shaped. But yeah. ultimately, I think, you know, we'll go through a season and if we do something different and it's all going horribly wrong, we'll all be grumpy about it. Yep, yep. There's no there's no easy fixes, but yeah, I think we're getting to the stage where we're now a little bit stick or twist and trying something, not just something radical or, or different, something that's in place at other clubs successfully and has got a lot of, you know, logic behind it and you've got staff in that are going to support it. I think that it's, it's not a, it's not just a shot in the dark then. Um, let's, going to wrap up now because we've been talking for about an hour but I'm just going to quickly read out some of the tweeters comments uh, about um, what the relegation was down to put it on Twitter NQOTFC is it down to Keith Carroll recruitment or wider issues um, Adam Barbie tweeted us to say it was a mis- mixture of everything the cr- recruitment was abysmal Carl's tactics belong in the dark ages and the ownership on the structure of the club is pathetic so he's not whole pulling any punches there uh, John Vintage Cobbler we cannot avoid the ownership Issues illustrated by fixation on the land deal, an inadequate playing budget, delayed decision not to sack Keith Cole until after January transfer window closed. Woeful list goes on. How long is a piece of string? Uh, Penrith, Cobbler, Good, Goodwarton, Turnbull, McCormack, Adams, Oliver, Morton, Cornell, Williams, Lines, Anderson, all left since beating Exeter 4-0, replaced by Utter Dross, Kyoso and Jones, the only two players who are remotely worthy of League One football. So there's a lot of strong opinions here. That's that sort of expected. Um, Adam Sim, recruitment this season was awful, but last season by the same people, it was good. Assume there was budget restrictions, but even then, uh, what they had spent uh, was spent badly. I don't think the club is badly run by KT, but it is run with no ambition or strategy for sustained success. Seems reasonable. Uh, James Sills, I probably don't have enough characters to tweet the answer, all of the above. (laughs) Uh, Just a couple more before we go. Poor recruitment, this is David Marriott, poor recruitment was blamed on the promotion with the club not knowing what league we would play in. Unfortunately, we never won enough games, especially against the teams around us and with no striker with any confidence to go on a scoring run. Sending Smith to Scotland was a bad move. 
uh just one more before we go let's go with uh ben rigdon keith calvin thomas keith carl the players and definitely jonathan mitchell that's who he's putting the blame on let's mo- sort of end on a positive fairly positive note because i think martin is right that you have to temper valid criticism with the fact that we're not in the conference yet fingers crossed there is a base to build on and that's a really important thing there is a base to build on but we have to start building Otherwise, you know, you just got no funny structure like the East Stand. Um, Derek Adams, James, has been mentioned by uh, a fairly well-regarded journalist, I think, on Twitter at um, Morecambe. What do you reckon to him? Do you know much about him? He's a great manager. I just don't like him. Uh, he's a whiner. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't seem like a very, very nice guy, frankly. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to think I wouldn't want him as manager, frankly. But at the same time, James, isn't that a sort of character that we'll get on at Cobblers? Because we like our, we like our anti-heroes at Cobblers. I think we like, you know, we we wouldn't have wanted Keith Cole, but Cobblers fans got behind him when he started, you know, putting some performance together. I think Derek Adams could be someone that Cobblers fans actually warm to, despite coming across badly. Mm, no, you're not going to change my mind on this one, I don't think, Tom. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> not, not Martin, Adams, do you know no. much about? Yeah, let's not to say he's not done a very good job at Morgan. He has. Okay, that's cool. And um, Martin, do you know? Do you know much, know much, anyone know much about the style of play more can play? Because I don't want to just hire someone just because they're a name or they've done well. I think it needs to go more than that now. Does anyone know? Oh. Um, I, I don't, because he, he was at Plymouth for a few years beforehand, wasn't he? It, it seemed like a strange move, although it's worked out to be a very good one for him. Yeah. Um, I don't recall Plymouth being identified as either a crew Alexandra or yeah. a kind of cobbler's 1980s Wimbledon sort of light either so probably somewhere in the middle yeah okay but are you are you if, if he got the job would you you always support the manager anyway martin but what do you reckon to him um it's one of the things we people will be disparaging about managers they're all getting paid because they're really good at what they do it's yeah mm, there's, no re, there's no well, you know they don't it, it's not like some conspiracy of people just saying i'll keep re-employing people i think will fail because i like them that you know <laughs> chairman employ them because i think they'll get results but yeah. um i think he he would seem like a, a decent candidate you know he's got a, a good track record um league one and league two um you know and just you know because there's only one way we sort of measure managers which is a league table just because someone i'm sure someone would say you know they'll go on twitter and say well you know that was Keith Curl or that was Jim Floyd Hasselbank, therefore it's a bad thing. Well, actually, if the only reference points you've got are where teams finish in the league, well, we're probably not going to get someone who's won the Premier League. Mm. Um, Max, Derek Adams might be a, a safe option. There, there might be that element to it if, if he ever got the job that, you know, he's done well with Morecambe, probably overachieved a little bit there, a little bit of a safe option. Um, I'm sort of just going out on a purist level here and saying, I want to manager I always like Keith Hill I thought Keith Hill would have been a good choice he went to Tranmere get a team playing with a, a smallish budget comfortable on the ball I'm I want I want to see a bit of Martin mentioned Crow Alexandra I just do I want to see a bit of you know a bit of comfort on the ball and players that can you know you know pass and move and stuff like that are you Max are you do you reckon Derek Adams might be able to do that for us or have you got you know you're a John Brady fan or have you got someone else in mind it's a difficult one because um you know, like everyone else said, you know, James made a good point of, you know, he's done a fantastic job at Morecambe and there's no denying that. But I think there was a point where he actually had a falling out with the fans 
as well. So it's pretty much you, you can warm to him. But then there's a, if, perhaps if we, because we as Cobblers fans don't really stick through managers when they go through barren runs. Um, and obviously they get a bit of abuse. So And he's one of those characters that doesn't like getting abused and is happy to fight back. Yeah. But um, I think it's a, it's a difficult one as to who to bring in. I feel like even if you do, especially knowing the Cobblers track record of bringing in proven managers, um, sometimes, you know, one bad season and, you know, perhaps they go on a bit of a bad run and that can be, you know, worse in a relegation fight all over again. You know, I mean, you only have to look at JFH. Um, you know, he, we thought he was a proven manager in League One. And, you know, look how that turned out. And then he's come straight back to Burton Albion and, you know, pretty much guaranteed them the great escape. So I feel mm-hmm. like it's going to be whoever is brought in is going to be in for a bit of a task because I think there's going to be a bit of a, a mass exodus of players. Um, and you know they've got to bring in a lot of players, and and again it's going to take time to gel. So it's not going to be an instant impact like they're all thinking of. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It'll be interesting what happens, and it's going to be a very interesting summer because there has been a lot of talk about restructuring, and I'm very interested to see how that happens and what John Brady, what role he has, because I think despite all this, everyone's got full respect for John, and he he did have his hands tied in terms of managing players that weren't his and I used to watch the under 18s when he was involved with them and stuff and they played in a whole different style to a lot of the stuff that Keith Curl did so that was difficult for him and yeah we just have to you know say fair fair play to John he did his best with it with what he's got this season but didn't work out but we'll see how it goes over the summer I, I guess the, the the funny thing about all this is and we took do you know we talked you talked about like Tesco and stuff that maybe if you go you go shopping at Tesco and you don't like it or the service is bad you'll just go and shop in a Sainsbury's instead. We're all stuck with Nobler, no fancy that we're stuck in this system. We'll be here in ten years time probably talking about the same thing. So we we can't escape it. So um yeah, that sort of leads us on till till sort of next season guys and we'll just be here back next season talking about the same same old stuff. But um <laughs> enjoy uh what's left of the season. Um we might do a show next week, we might not, but um if not have a good summer and um take care of yourselves. Take it easy. Hopefully next year we can stop moaning. That's just my one big, my one big hope, because this podcast has just been one big giant moan, certainly for me. Is it, is it one one Saturday win? I think I've done on this podcast yeah. after Burton away. Yeah. I mean, Christ, <laughs> that's pathetic, isn't it? But that's what Northamptonians do well. We're very good at moaning, and like you know, it's just what it's just our thing. They what they need to do is shut us up by giving us a little bit of success and good football. We still moan about something or other, but at least it will be a bit less. But you're right, James. Hopefully, we can be slightly more positive for next season. But um, enjoy the rest of your Sundays, guys, and we'll speak again soon. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Have a good, have a good one. Cheers. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 